How can a young E.T. character show us that nothing is impossible? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. This episode is brought to you by FunWise Capital. FunWise Capital is a business lender matching platform. Avoid the mystery of one-sided deals. Connect with FunWise to get the very best funding you can qualify for fast. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. It's easy. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You did hear me correctly. I did say start or grow your business. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups like I already mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Get money for your business now. Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Man, it's been a crazy week, and it's still not over. We still have one more day to go. Long, long week. Tomorrow, April Fool's Day, tomorrow night, I will be interviewing the one and only Paul McCartney right here uh, on the Mind Dog TV podcast. Tomorrow morning on Coffee with the Dog, I got a full boat on tomorrow's show. I got uh, comedian T.L. Black will be with me somewhere around uh, 10.30 a.m. Before that, Andy Andrus will be joining me, uh, and possibly Billy Wayne Davis will be stopping by. We'll be giving away uh, a chance to see Billy Wayne in Brooklyn uh, live on May the 15th. And uh, Kiara will be with me, so it's a full boat. Uh, tomorrow morning. I hope you'll join me then. Tonight, we're going to be meeting an author and illustrator of a unique uh, new book. It's a kind of, um, well, it, it mixes in some uh, some self-help type of uh, me- messaging with um, sci-fi and extraterrestrials. Uh, Starless, Starless Night is the debut novel by author Eric L. Giel. This imaginative sci-fi work centers around the character L.D. Star, a 12-year-old boy with extraterrestrial roots who learns uh, that tenacity and optimism can overcome even interstellar odds. Uh, Eric Giel is a Vietnam veteran who wrote the story to show young adults, maybe some older adults like me, uh, how they can uh, persevere with a mixture of imagination, ingenuity, and tenacity. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, help me welcome in Eric L. Giel and Andrew Zettler. Uh, good, good evening, guys. How are you? Thank you for being here. How are you doing tonight? 
I'm doing well. Uh, so this is a, an unusual uh, kind of book, especially for for this program. I have never uh, had a book that kind of caters to both uh, young adults and, and older adults as well, and an illustrated book as well. Uh, tell me about the book and its origins. Why don't you take that one, Andrew? Yeah, it's a good one. You know, it's funny, Matt. I, I also had not worked on a book like this before either in my role as an illustrator. Uh, ironically, uh, we actually live just outside of Washington, D.C. together. He, he calls me just before COVID hits. He's just looking to match with an illustrator. He tells me about the story. And all I can gather is that it's something that he came up with 50 years ago in Vietnam. And he just he just finished it two years ago. So we meet up in person, which is not the norm. Usually it's going to be done online. They're on one coast. You're in another. We meet up for a cup of coffee. He just hands me this document. I honestly don't know what to do with it. I'm thinking it's going to have dust on it. It's probably 50 years old. It's going to have stuff from Vietnam and coffee stains. I take it home. This is early March, right before we knew what COVID was going to do. And I'm just sitting on it. I'm thinking, do I, a sci-fi, it's not really my lane either. I've not illustrated sci-fi before. I've got a cartooning background. One night, I just sit down with it. The world closed. The, the governors are announcing that the, that the states are closing. I go, what do I have to lose? I just start reading it. I just can't put the damn thing down. It's, I can't believe how good it is, right? So I call this guy up and I go, look, look over my portfolio again. You make sure we're a good match. You seem really hell bent on working with me. I'm sold. I show it to my kids. They're 9 and 11. They're loving it. So before you know it, we start this. And this is when the whole world shut down, right? Right. And we're starting to realize, right, Eric, there's, there's a lot of parallels here. This, right. this kid, this 12-year-old kid, is this very compelling character who's extraordinarily isolated. He's a kid who loses his parents. Um, he's not in school. Um, this alien force, as he knows, because he wrote it, he'll tell you more. Um, he, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, right? And he's trying to do this all by himself in isolation. And we talked about that a lot that first year. I said, it's almost like something you, you would have written now, but it's something you were carrying with you all these years ago in Vietnam. I, I was really just really just blown away by the story. So it's uh, glad I took it on. I'll say that. So uh, clarify for me, did it, Eric, did you just finish the book uh, or was it finished 50 years ago when you were, you were sitting on it for, for publish? It was pretty much finished, but the issue that we found out that would be very helpful is that with the uh, war going on thousands of miles away and PTSD being in the news and everybody talking about it, that we should focus on uh, at least a little on the fact that LD and his father both suffer from severe PTSD. Those being the main characters. Yeah, that's right. They do. Right. Uh, LD stands for Lucas Delisle Star, and uh, he's quite the character. Let me let me ask you some PTSD. Was was it called that in, in right after Vietnam, or because I, I I remember it being shell shock, right? right. Yeah. Exactly, you, you hit the nail on the head, Matt. We talked about that back then. It was put some duct tape on it, get back out there. Nobody talked about it. Um, I mean, we talked about when he was he was writing it. So he was uh, an officer, yeah, in the Navy when right. he ends up over there. I think he, he'd wanted to be a pilot. I was just talking about it the other day and he goes in, he just graduates as a mechanical engineer from old dominion. He's got his first department. He's been on his job for a week, 
first Friday, he comes home as a draft notice and outside the door. So he ends up in Vietnam. He thinks he's going to be a pilot. What, what was what was the problem? That was your vision. My vision was 2025. You have to be 2020 yeah. to get your wings. All right. So they they give him an option. You can either go in the back of the plane and be a navigator, or you can't stay here because your vision's not up to snuff. Wait, what was your quote that you uh, you ended up going to a construction battalion? But why? What was your quote about why you you didn't want to stay? Oh, if you couldn't be a pilot. My thought was, I don't mind killing myself, but I don't want somebody doing it in the front seat for me. <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, so I, yeah, yeah I, I could see that because a lot of people, you know, I experienced that with my wife. She 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 doesn't like uh, being in the passenger seat of the car. <laughs> we're, we're going anywhere. Nice anywhere. Love yeah. it. Yeah, but but, uh, if she's driving in, traffic is never a problem. People who are are stopping short in front of her is never a problem. If it happens while I'm driving, it's like, oh, my God, we're going to have a nervous breakdown type of thing. (laughs) Matt, it's the same for every guy out there. So was that a disappointment to you, or or were were you disappointed about that? I was really wanting to fly. But I met some of the greatest people I'll ever meet and made some fantastic lifelong friends in the CB. So um, in in writing this book, you know what? A a couple of, probably a month and a half ago now, um, had a a guest on and for some reason I'm having a senior moment, can't remember his name. But he he works with Vietnam vets and um, especially those who are still uh, kind of um, experiencing PTSD even today and uses writing and, and, um, uh, journaling as a, a major therapy. Was that part of your, um, your, your reason for writing this book to get yourself through and past what you experienced in the war? Not really. I found it very cathartic and I really enjoyed the writing and the writing sort of eased the, uh, PTSD that I've got as well, just getting the story out there and in front of other people because I've been questioned many times about what was going on and how I came up with it. Interesting. Now, um, the uh, part about the uh, the getting the uh, main character uh, as setting the main character as an extraterrestrial uh, is this something you grew up with? Is it, you know we are uh, fascinated by the the uh, UFO stories of the of the fifties and sixties? I mean, where did where did that uh, inspiration comes from to make him a, a actual uh, extraterrestrial. It was it was there from the very beginning. It's always been the driving theme behind the story. And the uh, PTSD that both LD and his father suffer from is very debilitating to the point of if LD doesn't have something to do mentally or physically, he can just go over the deep end. So he stays busy all the time. Every second of every minute is accounted for. Because when he's working mentally or physically, the PTSD doesn't bother him. But of course, oh, you mean the book? Yes. Yeah. But of course, he's suffering from PTSD the whole time. That's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. That because uh, uh, I've never heard uh, anything like, and I read, you know, about UFOs, but generally people who actually. Um, have had extraterrestrial experiences. So people are, in, I interview on the program, that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, never heard ETs having like human characteristics. You know, you wouldn't think trauma would be part of, uh, of the uh, alien ex- uh, experience in life, but I guess, <laughs> I guess it could be, right? Matt, when I first was reading his manuscript, 
I thought the same. I'm not a sci-fi first guy. I mean, if I bump into it and it's good, I can get sucked into it. Uh, I noticed that as well. They These are aliens that are on Earth, and they present just as humans would. They look human. Uh, the main character, the boy, goes to us. He's a, he's a, a kid at school. He's a sixth grader. Yes. He's blending in, but their issue really is that where they're they're really on the run. They came to hide out. Earth was just a safe spot to tuck there away. They're trying to get away from some some real heavy interstellar conflict, which comes to find them here. And that's what gets, I mean, LD has to kind of figure all that out for himself over a span of a weekend, which, you know, to Eric's credit, I mean, it's it's a cliffhanger right to the end. And the payoff, I I, I really enjoyed it. You, illustrating it, it's funny because Eric, you know, he, he said it in the 1940s, post-World War II, it's on the Carolina coast, right? So the decision with the book, I know you showed the cover was, we wanted it to have kind of an early 1950s sci-fi feel go. to it because that's the setting, right? So with the illustration too, you know, the decision to make the interior illustrations grayscale, which would have been very appropriate to that time period. It was, um, it was, it was interesting working with him, but a lot of the insights he had about the story, it really is more of like a early 1950s sci-fi novel. And that is the time when uh, that interest in all that stuff was just really taken off. I mean, uh, you had all the the, the Cold War um, UFO yep. sightings, books about UFOs coming out. Morris K. Uh, Jessup came out with his book, The Case for UFOs. Mm-hmm. All, all, you know, so it was a very uh, UFO-centric time. All those black and white movies from the 50s, uh, sci-fi yeah. movies about that yeah. stuff was coming out. It was this uh, obsession with that, right. Right. So how does, um, uh, without giving away the whole story here, how does the um, the the main character uh, relate to teaching people that nothing is impossible? He has a friend called Zeke who happens to be a bird. And you, you could think of Zeke as a uh, Yoda in Star Wars. He's got that kind of power. He understands all of LD's problems. He knows him like a book but he can't get through. And now with this new wave of terror coming to earth with the, this, this off world uh, military power, you might say, he's forced to actually get LD to do something. He, he takes a great risk in getting him at least started down the road to, to healing his PTSD. But these people are humanoids. They, they, they look exactly like us and they need a place to hide out. For, for various reasons, which you'll see when you read the book. Um, well, now, if I, without making you uh, sound like a, a crazy person, <laughs> is, is this a, uh, uh, is this something that you, do you kind of believe in? In yeah, I mean, the UFO experiences. Have you had any uh, UFO experiences? Have you known anybody who has? Or is this you know? Are you in that community? Because I've had uh, I'll probably you know if I talk going back to Radio days thirty five years ago, probably four or five hundred interviews with people with at various levels of the UFO world. People who've actually seen. You know, I've seen what I can't identify in the sky, but I've known people who've gone further than that. You know, all all the degrees and and, yeah. and uh, so. Have you had those experiences? And are you uh, inspired at all by that stuff? Reality. I, I haven't had these experiences, but Carl Sagan said something back in nineteen eighty. I believe it was that the cosmos is all that is, all that was, and all that ever will be. I do believe there's other life forms out there. I have absolutely no doubt. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Carl Sagan is one of my uh, real uh, inspirations, and I think you know even today his, his words, um, you know, still I go I go back to quoting him a lot in this Thank stuff. You. Um, so does uh, the title Star Starless Starless Night? I'm sure that has some significance here. Uh, but tell me, tell me about what the where, where the where the title comes from. I'll just give you the main idea. Uh, LD comes out of the house one night and notices that the moon is totally brilliantly bright. And he wonders, I'm, I'm, and that while glancing around, he sees that, 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 that there are no stars. So something's going on. And he starts mm -hmm. out to solve the problem. And in the process of that, the story starts off and so, starts to get really advanced. Matt, what I recall, that's a, that's a good question because very early on in the book, I think chapter one, chapter two, he becomes aware that he's been followed and found because he knows that this, this race of aliens that are very aggressive, they're the, the aggressors, they have the ability to block out the stars in such a manner. So if you were just on Earth on the beach, you probably wouldn't have noticed it. But I think that's sort of the foreshadowing for that main character. He goes, this isn't right. This is a huge problem. And he, he really, you, you can't explain at age 12 that you're an alien for starters because nobody knows it. You can't explain to him what you think is going on because they think you were crazy. So it, it, it's that sort of self-reliance. You do see this character. I mean, he, he does suffer from, they wouldn't call it that then. There is some PTSD. He's extremely isolated. One, because he's living, it's not a lie, but none of his classmates know that he's an alien. He looks just like them. He's smarter than them. He knows more about science and has abilities because he's an alien. But he really is very isolated that way. Um, and you kind of get to see his growth through the book, which mm -hmm. is kind of what we were talking about, which is how appropriate it was these last couple these The isolation, I know because I had two kids at home doing Zoom school for two years. It was kind of a lark for a month or two. But after that All many right. months in isolation, at least I had two close in age that could bounce off each other. But there's a lot of kids who had nothing. Right. They just had a computer, parents that were at work trying to, you know, so it, the story kind of came out at a good time because it's a boy that's, now he's overcoming different things, but he's doing it in a very isolated way, which a lot of kids had to do over the last couple of years. Interesting. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Uh, the last couple of years have been a very um, unique experience for everybody on the planet. Just oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so now... The, your publicist sent me a uh, excerpt of the book, very long excerpt. It's like two hundred pages of the excerpt. I'm thinking it's the whole book, right? But I'm going through it. I only see the only illustration I'm seeing is the front cover on the whole thing. So I'm a little confused by that. Uh, is this supposed to be more illustration than that? They are, yeah. They're sprinkled throughout. Yeah, they're sprinkled throughout based on the story. <laughs> tell me, tell me about uh, how you uh, work that Kush. Uh, this is very curious to me. It's Eric's imagination and his uh, his words and his thoughts into a book. And how do you take that and be loyal enough to his ideas yeah. to come up with a uh, a concrete? You know, uh, man, that's a good question. Very good. Honestly, it really depends on the author and the client. You know, um, in Eric's case, the way we work is I kind of usually go through the manuscript first. 
and I isolate areas that I think will really lend themselves graphically to the story. And usually in his case, I mean, we're, we are local. We were able to meet in person once COVID hit and a lot of it was just done virtually. But usually what I'll do is just flush out sketches and say, look, I think there's a lot of bang for the buck to be had here. And we'll go through and just make notations. And usually it starts that way. He, he was great to work with in that way. I mean, he's a very he's a mechanical engineer. So that's why I was curious your question of whether they believe in aliens. I'm from a family of engineers. They're extremely practical people, you know. So I, um, he gave me a lot of leeway for that, you know, that I was able to sort of formulate. I think the goal was to really make it feel like a sci-fi novel from the 50s. So it would mm -hmm. have that feel, the grayscale cover for the uh, full color for the cover. But everything inside was going to be grayscale just to kind of stay true to that period. Very true. Right. Yeah, that's very interesting. Now, um, part of... Uh, this this is more than just like um, a message about nothing is impossible. It's a, it's it is a message about loyalty to family in here, uh, and, and and more than that. So uh, if you can just kind of touch on again, not giving away, uh, not giving away the reason to to buy the book and, and read the book, uh, just give us some uh, some of that how that flavors into the book. What do you think about that? Eric? Go ahead, Andrew. I'm well, not, it's funny. I mean, it, he knows all that because he wrote it. But, you know, as the reader, when I first wrote it, he is right. I mean, he this is a boy who has suffered loss of family. So he's sort of trying to avenge their loss. He carries it with him. There's a loyalty in terms of actions to people that are around you. But sometimes there's a loyalty to like the memory of the person. You know, you okay. carry the mythology of that family, which this character has to do for a good part of the book. I mean, he's avenging family he's trying to protect earth he feels a responsibility to that wouldn't you say because this Absolutely. earth is a hideout i mean they they came here because it was a safe port in a storm and they just called it home and then their problem came and found earth and now i think this 12 year old boy i mean he he feels a responsibility to sort of get rid of the problem um before it uh, it can take earth down with it all right. I, you know what? I, I'm not sure if I have the right URL here. I think I do because I cut and pasted. I have two, I have two URLs, Andrews and, and Eric's. Eric, it looks like Eric L. Isle. <laughs> that's, no, that's what it comes out. Is that right? No, type in ericgill.com. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, Eric Eel, his name. Yeah, that's his. That's his. Uh, that's his website. Okay, I just want to make sure I got it right. I'm going to put those both in the description for people who want to find out more. There's also a link to uh, where you can buy it directly on Amazon. Um, now, talk to me, because um, again, this this is a unique book in that it is meant for young adults, but it's also for for older folks too, right? But yeah. when I look at it. From a marketing perspective, it looks like it would be for uh, it looks like it would be a, a children's book. So, uh, what is why is, and does that present a unique uh, unique challenge? Because it does it does appear like if I were book shopping and just saw it, or I was browsing through on Amazon, I would think, well, that's a kid's book. That's nice, yeah. but it's not for me. <laughs> You're absolutely correct, but I really toyed with the idea of having it appear to be a children's book and. I'm thinking the age group is probably 14 to 18. Uh, children need to be aware of evil and that there is a price to pay and there is a loyalty to family. And 
those basically those ideas are for an older teenager. But the story of the uh, children is also very compelling. Several children have told me that they found it really uh, absolutely, I guess the word is interesting. All right. Uh, so in uh, is it is it your hope that this will kind of be used in, in like curriculum in schools or something? Or, I mean, what is your, what is it the intent here? Is it for, because generally you, you have a target audience that you're trying to reach. Is it, is it those 14, 18 year olds? Is it older adults? Yeah, I would even say yeah. that he's an engineer. So as you probably saw, I mean, there it's, it is a technical book in some ways, the level of detail. Yeah. I would always just have an, a nine and 11 year old home myself they had no, no problem digesting it. I would almost call it like a middle grade to young adult novel. But you know what, Matt? I enjoyed reading it, you know, and I'm a guy, I got kids at home. I um, I think the decision which we talked about to, to push the art, I mean, I work primarily in the children's space and the, the world of cartooning, you know, um, is to, you know, make it appealing to kids. But it, uh, you know, if you're any younger than 12, 11, it might be, you know, a little more than you could bite off. So I would say middle grade to young adult. It first and foremost, it's just an entertaining story. But I, it's funny over the last couple of years, he and I talked about that quite a bit. I said, you know, Eric, I think this is a really there's a lot of lessons in your story. Whether you intended it or not, you probably wrote this to be entertaining, yeah. and it probably was a coping mechanism for you. And you were just stuck over in Vietnam, just trying to figure out, you know, what was going on and how to get back home. Exactly. But the end result is there's a lot of lessons in that story, intended or not. There are. It's a entertaining story first but there's a, a lot to be learned from the character so i, I appreciate how he went about that it, it turned out great what we got in nam one night was waking up in the, about three o'clock in the morning and i noticed i was very scared it was deathly silent the this three, is in vietnam yes mm. three months worth of pounding rain had kind of tapered off and stopped completely and it was then that i said i've got to get that damn book written <laughs> Yeah, nothing. Nothing motivates uh, you to get the things you uh, want to get done in life, like the uh, realization that you're mortal. <laughs> Very good point. Well yeah. said. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that. How long has the book been out? Uh, say it's going on two months. Going, I think it's been about eight weeks. Yes, going on seven weeks. Wow! Wow! Very good. So, and the the feedback that you you get from it is it? Uh, I mean, is it from younger adults? Is it from older people? Uh, are you getting uh, from from uh, vets? Most uh, the children. There's no way to know that ericlyle.com or ericgill.com is out there, and that's where the that's where the website. Oh, because the book's is. on Amazon. Right. It's true. I think most. It's not been vets though, Matt. It's funny. Like I. I was really yeah. drawn to Eric. I mean, and, and you you make decisions on who you're going to work with and who you don't. I was very compelled when I met him in person, which is not common, as I said. Usually, it's going to be virtual. You're sharing a manuscript, that sort of thing. I was his story. I found compelling. Um, it, but it, we haven't heard from vets. I think because it's a story geared for young adults. I, I think it's a story that's great for any age. But with his background as a veteran, you're right. I mean, I think that adds a little bit of a twist to the story and. It's, um, I think it probably influences writing, whether you knew it or not, right? Wouldn't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I volunteer at the VA all the time and, and you'd be surprised. I mean, 
how uh, vets who are still suffering from PTSD and from all the war, going back to World War II, there's still a few of those guys still around, believe it or not. Yeah. And and just uh, anything to bring them comfort and, and creative stuff that, so we're constantly uh, looking for creative avenues for this stuff. And I just think, you know, it would be a great, a great to kind of, uh, somehow incorporate this into that into those programs and stuff now being an illustrator uh is there and then there's a couple of questions here so i'm going to go uh, i should take it first first is it are you are there plans for an audio book on this because i know and that kind of cuts out the illustration part but uh audio books are so popular these days because um people live these very busy lives you can listen to them while you're uh, commute yeah. and all that kind of stuff, or or going about your daily chores and all that stuff. Uh, is there an audio book or is there plans for an audio book? I think that's phase two. It's funny. We talked about that. And you're right. The illustration there is just the cover. So you know what you're buying. You click, you download. So yeah, I think that's a great next step for, for Eric. Yeah. We had talked about that. And the book lends itself to that. You know, it's kind of a cliffhanger as you go through. Um, and so it really lends itself. Listen, if you're on a long car ride and you've got a few hours to kill, this is this is one good way to do it. All right. Now, it's what's the, though. Don't read it while you're in the car. The extended part of that was being an illustrator. Uh, you got to be at least a little bit motivated or inspired to do something like kind of animated uh, type of uh, story up or story behind this audio and illustrations animation. No. Yes. Well, you know, it's funny. I think that sort of comes to the next day. You want to see how the book is, uh, how people respond to the book. You know, you want to pick up some momentum and make sure people are responding to the story. But there again, I mean, it, it, it it's sci-fi. It lends itself to that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would think so. I mean, any book that is uh, uses a lot of illustration, that that's just a natural thought of, of where where it goes from there. Um, uh, what uh, you find this uh, whole process rewarding uh, and and fulfilling? I, I uh, um, are you happy with with uh, where, where it's gone and and, and what? what it's brought you in, in life do you feel rewarded by it eric Process. i'll let, you go. I'll let okay. you go first all of the illustrations the color ones that are available are, are on the website so people can go there and see what goes on and you can actually relate the picture to the text in the book that talks about it and andrew religiously followed well the bucket was green the hoe was dirty oh you mean for the illustrations yes yeah now, did you, because that's a good question, Matt, did you, when this was all done, hopefully his answer is yes, because we were collaborating. But Well, yeah, it's more like, what is the, the most rewarding thing thing that you've taken from this process? Is it, uh, is it people like uh, Andrew, who just are uh, really inspired and, and motivated to, to cooperate with you, or is it, uh, people's, uh, you know, response to it and reviews, all that stuff, the personal rewards from this process for you? Fulfilling, yes. Absolutely. I could not have done it without Andrew. Well, unfinished business, too, because my understanding is that he's been telling this story to his kids for 50 years, and I'm sure they were like, Dad, write the damn book. Get it done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just today. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, and, you know, to your point, Matt, too, I mean, listen, he, he, I wasn't old enough to be around for the Vietnam War, but you hear the stories of these guys, and you know, because you volunteer, yeah. World War II, these guys came home as conquering heroes. These right. guys came home with their baby killed a deer. I mean, they were just yeah. treated terribly. And so 
it, that definitely played. I mean, when I met him and just found what a compelling guy he was, just sweet. And then I read the story and I said, you know what? I'm going to take this project. I'm going to help him get this project out. And you did. I wanted him to, you know, his voice and this, this, the idea that the, that he sort of the originated this sort of when he was in Vietnam. It's a story that's been pent up for this many decades. Not just him. A lot of these guys have stories that deserve to be told. His happened to be a sci-fi novel that he invented, but you know, it just, the, a lot of those guys have stories that, that really we need to, and you know, as while they're still here. Yeah. Right. So for yeah. me, that was gratifying. Hel- helping him get this story out there was 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 really. A, I'm glad I took on the project. Yeah, no doubt. Vietnam is the story is, is the underlying story of uh, that runs through the thread of my lifetime, and uh, I talk so much about the war because, um, you know, it, it it's been the kind of, it, you know, it, it's been a defining um, experience in my life and knowing so many people who, who went there and, and knowing, you know, seeing the being around for the protests. And then when a lot of the guys came home, they were treated like criminals and called baby killers and all that kind of stuff. So it, it definitely is uh, something that I carry with me all the time. And I and. The shame of it, uh, you know, 58,000 Americans lost, like 2 million uh, South Vietnamese lost in there, or um, it, it is a very uh, sad, sad thing. So I've, I've spent my whole life uh, kind of trying to find ways that we can heal from that because I think America is still very scarred from that war. Um, well done. Um, so has has the success of this book, and we'll find, I'll let you guys go, uh, uh, but I, I, I'm just interested in this. Has the success of this book inspired you to write more? Are you are you are you thinking about writing more, or or you or do you feel like you're fulfilled fulfilled with this and don't need to continue? No, absolutely, almost the opposite. The book, this book, Starless Starless Nights, is the first book of a trilogy. And the trilogy goes back even off of Earth and, and describes how LD and his family get, let's say, get secluded on the planet Earth. And all, all of the other two uh, books will clarify just about any question you could have on their origin and why they went where they went. So, Matt, you've heard of a prequel. So this comes out. Yes. The next installment actually takes you back in time before they even came to Earth. Right. Meaning, fully. I mean, they were on the losing end of a war, and they came to Earth again, a safe port in a storm, and they came here. So the next book, it's my I have not read the full manuscript yet. Is it's actually the prequel to this book. You're going to get to hear about his life before they came to Earth and what that was like when they took up residence. So it's, it's part of a trilogy and I haven't even had a chance to, I've not been given the second, third yet. So I'm waiting like everyone else to see the next couple that he comes out with. And, uh, but it was, it was a pleasure to work with him on the first one. That's for sure. Well, I, I appreciate uh, you sharing this with me. I wish you a uh, great luck on, on the book and uh, I hope we've uh, done you guys a service and, and let people know about it. The book is called Starless, Starless Nights. It's available on Amazon right now. And we have two websites. Uh, 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 they'll both be in the description. You see them scrolling there on the bottom. Uh, any final thoughts from you guys? Yeah, Matt, thanks for having us on and uh, keep up the good work. Love the show. Thank you, Matt. 
Wonderful awesome. having you. Thanks. And nice meeting you, gents, and, and good luck. Best of luck. And when the next books come out, feel free to come back, and we'll, we'll help you let people know that it's out there. We'll plan for really it. really enjoyed it. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Have a good night, and bye for now. Uh, Eric Gill and Andrew Zettler, folks. I hope you enjoyed that uh, little interview there. Uh, again, unique kind of book because it, it's not exactly um, uh, targeted to any specific uh, demographic, and yet it has an uplifting message and uh, full of illustrations. So I guess um, really 14 to 85, I want to say. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoy that. I hope you'll be with me tomorrow morning for Coffee with the Dog. Got a um, good show for you tomorrow. And then 8 p.m. tomorrow night right here on the Mind Dog TV podcast, the one and only Sir Paul McCartney, one of the greatest songwriters of uh, of, of ever, <laughs> of, of human history, one of the greatest songwriters ever. Uh, so looking forward to that. Thanks for joining me. Have a great rest of your night. And I guess that's it for now. Bye for now.
me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.